anxiety is something that touches a lot of people. I was being raw and real with my own self about how I dealt with in a in a vehicle in the back of a truck and how I just had a moment because it just felt so overwhelmed. And what I didn't tell you is in my ears I had my earbuds on and all I was listening to was that song, Take It All Away Until All That's Left Is You. And I was literally having a battle between heaven and earth. My flesh and my spirit were battling. And when you surrender it all to the Lord, that's when he comes in. It's good. Because if you don't, he's just going to keep... He's going to keep knocking. And you have to have that moment. And that's what I love about even with here with worship and stuff is we'll, we'll take something that we hear and that's so powerful in the moment. And then we're like, God, what do you want to do with this for us? Just because we sing what they wrote doesn't mean you don't have something else for this church to hear with that. And so we're so thankful for our worship team and the ability to, to transform something and hear from heaven and then deliver a message. We are so blessed in that. Uh, yesterday I put a post out about how within the last few weeks Remnant Church has reached 18,000 people Powerful. online Powerful. on the online community. I don't know if you think that's important or not, but it's important here. It's important to the house of God, the online church, the community. We reached 18,000 18, accounts. 18,000 individual Facebook accounts. Now that's not including who might have went, who might have been with that family and if they say an average of four with that family or whatever the case is, it started at 18,000 accounts. It's very important that we're able to reach people for the kingdom of God. It does make it a scary thing because it says that Jesus won't come back until all here and how fast can media travel? that all will hear who God is. We're thankful for online. We're thankful for all that. And it's, it's amazing. Like I said last week, before that we did the, that Halloween shining a light, barn party, baby dedication. I was so overwhelmed with all the stuff that we did. I forgot to tell you one more thing that happened in between all of that. I got a phone call and said, we, I have a bunch of soup to give away and kind of in a pinch with it. Can you take it? And I'm like, all of our volunteers are exhausted. And so even though that we're willing to do stuff, I still as a pastor have to take, think in consideration of your well-being also. Or I would wear you down real fast. Because <laughs> I know people try to be like, Brandon, you better hold up. You, like, you go big and... And I try to balance that because I, I just live in a weird moment because I've, I've already lived that simple life, but I'm, I'm past all that now because all I can do is walk by faith where there's no step. I'm just going to jump and know and believe that there's a step going to be there. And he had like six, there was thousands of pounds of soup. And so I just made a call out, and I was like, listen, if you need some help, you need some soup, if you want to help somebody, come get it. It's just going to be over here in the corner. 
And a couple people from the church helped pass it out that just showed up. Um, and what I found in the end was people were showing up. And the backside of this was that we were able to help four churches help their, their congregation feed people in need in their church. And I don't know if you understand how big that is. And I don't know if you understand that what God showed me when we started the church, that Remnant Church will be a church at Champions Other Churches. And starting to see it come to pass last week or so, um, how we're able to, and it, this has happened this year. I don't know if you understand that what God is doing, and yes, anxiety can, can rush in so much that at Easter, I know I'm backing up. I know I'm backing up, but I need to tell you that Easter Sunday, I wasn't at church just yet because I had to go help take care of five other churches so they can have candy and baskets and, and toys for whatever kids they deal with in their neighborhoods. That at one moment, we used to collect candy and try to go in circles and help people and do like 15 baskets to give away. And we're giving away so much stuff that God has gave us leftovers and overabundance to help other churches give to their community area and their needed uh, areas. And so when we gave away that food, four different churches around this city came over and said, thank you so much for being a blessing. Thank you so much for letting us have this. There's, there's a handful of people in our church that need this, and we are going to pass it out to them. And just, just to know that you're, you're, you're walking in a, in a vision that's coming to pass right now. That when we started church a long time ago, God said we were going to be a church that set an example that it was going to be like a blueprint. We were going to control, alt, delete, and reset church. And, and we might stir the pot because we get so comfortable how church is supposed to be, I guess. And that we were going to be a church that was going to champion people, champion other churches, and be a light. And look where we are right now. It doesn't matter how many people are in this room. It's just, is anybody willing? God will use anything. God will use anybody. And when we were handing out food off of Liberty and stuff, it, it really shook me because God told me, he said, don't discount people in the shadows because you never know who's going to be crying out in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. The church is here. The church is here. The church is here. The church is here. It wasn't me honking the horn saying the church is here. It was people coming out of their houses yelling door to door, the church is here. So I want you to know that this is what it is. That when 2020 happened and the whole pandemic and anxiety, if you already struggled with it, went to 100, it just turned up 100. <laughs> but the church shut down, but that's fine. The building will, but the people didn't. We stepped outside, and we have not stopped momentum since then. I don't know if you remember, but for three months, we gave away food every day outside. Every day. We're talking about how sometimes we struggle now for like two, twice a month. Try every day. Every day. But we just didn't stop. And we still haven't stopped. Things might shift a little bit, but he's still good. And, and in the midst of all of that, anxiety tries to grip. And it can try to grip in good things. Trying to do right. Trying to see how we can help, but get anxious about it. Do you realize that the, the number one mental health issue is anxiety? That we, we all deal with different forms of anxiety? That the enemy wants to do something to you 
And like I said last week, if you didn't get to listen to it, listen to it. And, and there's no excuse not to, because it's, I was on Spotify and I, I just was just curious. Like I say this, so I just want to see for myself. And I typed in Remnant Church and Remnant Church pops up on Spotify. Went to the, uh, the Apple Music, Remnant Church pops up on Apple Music. Went to Amazon Music, Remnant Church pops up on Am- Anywhere you listen to music, anywhere you stream, Remnant Church is there. Our podcast is in every streaming platform ever, right now. So get it, listen to it, pass it on. I, I, I shared it with other people because I know, there, I know some people that are struggling with anxiety, so I want to I give them something that's going to help them. It's not about me, it's about his word. And his word is new. I want to start out this morning in a scripture and give you just a little bit of a story for a second. So if you'll go with me to John 10.10, in the Amplified Version, it reads this way. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. I want you to imagine with me just for a minute this morning, if you need to close your eyes just to even think about it as I'm telling you this, I want you to imagine this, that you wake up one morning and life so far seems to be great. You have no complaints, no worries. You get up, you get dressed, and you leave your house to go to work. Business as usual. You drive down the road realizing that you forgot your phone, so quickly you turn around and rush back home to grab it. You unlock the door, run in, and quickly run out, shutting the door behind you. You don't even have time to think because now you are on a race against the clock. You're trying not to be late to work. So trying to suppress any frustration within yourself, you hurry inside, and again, business as usual, you get back in the car, you go back to work and drive in, you get into work, you clock in, you, you made it on time, you're trying not to let what happened just with the one little mishap get you to a point to, to just mess your whole day up, you get focused back again, and you finish your day out, and you clock out, and you head home. You turn down your road and pull into your drive only to notice something seems off. Your front door is cracked open. Thoughts begin to flood your mind. I thought for sure I locked the door. Did someone break in? And just like that, all kinds of emotions flood your heart and mind. With phone in hand, ready to call 911 and any form of protection you can think of in the other hand, you cautiously head inside and to your worst fears, you've been robbed. Not only have you been robbed of your physical things, but now emotionally and mentally you've been robbed as well. You are left with an empty feeling of mistrust, anger, fear, worry, and you are mad at yourself for allowing the thief an open door to take from you. You feel violated, and little to your knowledge did you realize that there has been a series of of robberies happening throughout your state where a group of thieves hit different cities and cased the neighborhoods for months, just waiting to see where people will drop their guard and their routines. And now you are more angered and want justice for all you've lost. Never in your mind did you think you would be here and feel this way. Now think about it this way. 
This is just like the enemy. He knows you have the goods in your house. He knows you have the goods in your heart. He knows what you have, and he's been casing you for a long time. He's been watching you to see how you work, how you move, your routine, your routine with God, what you do in your daily time, the habits that you take, the things that you do at your job. You know what's crazy is the enemy watches you more than you think anybody else does. Just waiting for the one moment where you put your guard down. Well, maybe you get in a rush too quickly and you know what? I don't have time to read my word today. I'm just going to keep going. Oh man, I'm late. I wanted to sleep in, you know, and I hit snooze 10 times. So God, you're going to have to wait. And then when I get home, I've got so much to do and family to spend with and dinner to eat and movies to watch and TV shows to catch up on. And you know, God, you're just going to have to wait. And all of a sudden, just like that, the enemy comes in. And the little moments, the little things, he waits for the exact right moment when your guard is down and you leave the door of your heart open. See, we're not supposed to lock our door to God. We don't lock the door of our heart to to God. We leave it wide open. He has the key. When we ask him to come in, we're saying, you take the keys. And see, what, what you don't realize is he already took the key when he went to the grave because he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And he has the ability to come into your house anytime he wants. He's just a gentleman who stands at your door knocking. He has the right to come in. But he knocks and he waits. But see, the enemy, he don't, he don't care. He knows he don't have the keys, but he knows that if he can get you to drop the guard and leave your door just a little bit cracked or unlocked for him to come in, he'll take every opportunity he has to rob you. He'll take every opportunity, and he watches to wait and see. We get busy. We get hurried. See, the enemy can do this in so many ways. He can come in in so many ways. But let me tell you what, the only way that the enemy can come in is when we drop our guard. That doesn't mean things don't happen. But it's how you respond to the things that do happen that makes a difference in what takes place and who's in your life and who's who's not in. What's participating, what's not participating. One way that we can drop our guard, like I said earlier, is we get busy. We get hurried. Everyday life, little by little, we begin to neglect our time with God. And one quick scripture should be good, right? You know, we've got the daily, we got the Bible app and it pulls up a daily verse where we don't even have to look, so we can just read it. Oh, that's good. I'm good now, God. I, I got you. I got my, my Jesus shot. We're good, right? No big deal. I don't need anything else. I've gotten my time in with you today. And after a while, we don't read, we don't pray, we don't do any of it, because it's not a priority anymore. Another way that we can drop our guard is through loss. When things happen and you lose maybe a loved one actually to death, or you can loss of relationships, friendships, loss of a job, loss of, you know, money in your bank account, somebody takes something, you know, come in and breaks into your debit, loss comes in, you lose things. Loss, what happens? It's not that loss 
is always an attack from the enemy. The fact of it is, is what you do from what just took place. If you drop your guard in the midst of things that are being lost because you are devastated, devastated, it, it is devastating to lose things, especially a loved one. And I understand that. I totally understand that. But when you keep in that moment and you don't allow God to come in and be that peace that surpasses all understanding, when you begin to focus on everyone else around you and you begin to depend on them to be your hope and your strength, you've dropped your guard because you're not filling yourself with the goods anymore. It's real easy to let our guard down. Certain situations that take place in personal relationships... We can drop our guard. You know, what happens when you have a friend that comes to you and you're dealing with things or they're dealing with things and then all that comes out of their mouth is gossip? And all you hear about are the problems that they have with so-and-so, with so-and-so, with so-and-so. And then, like, we're playing telephone through gossip. You know what I'm saying? And what happens is we drop our guard because what we're allowing to come into our ears fills our hearts. We drop our guard. And whether you cause the door of your heart to be open or the enemy just hit you like a Mack truck to come along and knocked you down, trauma happens. And guess what? Trauma is no respecter of anybody. It doesn't care who you are. Trauma comes in so many forms. Yeah. In so many different ways. And it doesn't wait on you to be ready. It's not like, you ready? Because I'm coming for you. Are you ready? I'll just get your stance. Just be ready. Hold on. I'm going to come hit you and knock you down. You ready? Just making sure. No, that's not what trauma does. It comes and blindsides you and makes you feel like you... Have you ever got the breath knocked out of you because maybe you hit the floor hard or something as you were a kid? Man, I will never forget one time I was flipping on monkey bars and I flipped myself over too far and hit that ground. I I couldn't breathe. You try, it, to, you try to say words, you're like... Yeah. Knocks the air out of you. Remember, you did that to me. Right? Remember that? <laughs> <laughs> we love Home Alone. <laughs> Home Alone 2, when he's throwing bricks, like... Harry. <laughs> it's a, that's what you feel like, though. Yeah, Don't, do you ever the bricks feel, keep hitting you hey, in the face. Yeah, I was going to say, do you ever feel like Marv of Home Alone, that the bricks just keep getting thrown in your face? <laughs> yeah, it's the truth. You know what I'm saying? And, and there's nothing he's doing about it. Like, he's staying in the same spot and just getting jacked up with bricks in the face. Like... And everybody else around you is cracking up laughing because they think it's hilarious it's, that, you know, you're funny. just, you know what I'm saying? Like, that, sometimes we feel like that. Right? You knocked me out once there. I, I did. We won't talk go, about that. Go ahead. You can tell the story. I, I, I did have, I guess, one more boxing story that I, I forgot about. But I'll, we'll talk about that later. That's a different one. Go ahead. No, you tell I, it better. I'm just taking a drink. Go you ahead. tell it better. From your perspective, is better. Go ahead. You no, tell go ahead. It. Go ahead. Go ahead. Tell it. You know when you're with a bunch of guys and trying to showboat? And your girlfriend's in the room. We were boyfriend and girlfriend, weren't we? That's weird. <laughs> Sounds weird. It does sound weird. Yeah, so I was jacking around and, I'm, you know, play fighting because that's what I do. And uh, this was a moment where I let my guard down. <laughs> but you was getting rough. Okay, it was a little rough. Yeah. 
and everybody's all jumping in on it and I was you know when you just get going you don't realize what you're doing and you're just already doing it and you let your guard down and you're laughing and you're looking for approval like hey look I'm beating her up like that's cool beating up your girlfriend that's amazing um <laughs> yeah then the next thing I know when I looked and said and then I woke up on the floor it was weird <laughs> So you can tell that part because I was asleep. <laughs> well, you kept you kept going and you kept messing and kept like swinging and it I got, said, it got rough. And all I we said, I just kept saying, "You better stop. You better stop. Please stop." You know when somebody tells you to stop, you got to do it one more time. Is anybody like that? Like you stop doing that? I'm like, no. I got to do it one more time. Don't touch. I got to touch that one more time because you just said I had I couldn't touch it. <laughs> Yes. There's some mules, donkeys so in here. He kept, I, he kept doing it, and I kept saying, kept saying stop. And he had me down. He was behind me like this and was getting into me, and I just took this hand like this, and I turned myself and wham, right in the face. She hit me right in my face. And he just and dropped on the floor. All his friends stand up, and they're going, oh, and I just looked, and I said, I told you to stop. <laughs> so I had my guard down, and then she punched me. And then I woke up on the floor. Like, I, like she literally knocked me out. Like it was weird. And I woke up. I was like, "What the heck just happened here?" And everybody's laughing, and nobody, you hey, know, that no, story. No, sometimes you just gotta. If you put your guard down. If you put your guard down, you you're gonna get, get knocked hit in the out. Face. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but trauma—it's no respecter of nobody, right? No. We're, we're good. <laughs> so, what's crazy about trauma, though? Round two. Is it loves to breed anger and anxiety. Yeah. It loves to breed anger and anxiety. And you ask me, well, we're just talking about anxiety. I get that. And we do declare war on anxiety. But we have to understand where some of that root of anxiety comes from. Why? Yeah. And see... Anger is part of anxiety. I believe sometimes anxiety comes from anger. And you're like, where are you going with this? Well, because anger is rooted in fear. And fear is just another word for anxiety. Anger is rooted in fear. And fear is just another word for anxiety. And what happens is most of the time... Anxiety takes place because we're angry about what's happened and why we feel the way we do. And nothing or no one will ever do that to us again. So good. Think about it. Think about when you've had something happen in your life. Think about it. It could have happened when you were a little kid. Yeah. Right? Could have happened. Could have been somebody making fun of you on the playground when you were a kid, or somebody made fun of your shoes or your shirt when you were a kid, or you know what I'm saying? Things like that have affected some people as they go on, and now we, you know, we act like it didn't bother us, but it did. It made us mad, and what happened is we put on this front to say, ain't nobody going to do nothing again. But all in the back of your mind, when you went to school, you felt anxious because you knew that person was looking at you one more time, and you were just waiting for something else to be said. But you were angry in your heart because, you know, it makes you mad. Don't tell me that none of you get mad when things happen to you in your life. Don't tell me that when maybe you've lost things or somebody breaks into your bank account, you ain't going to get mad. But what happens? That anger also turns into anxiety because now when you go buy things or you get a new card, you are like this with your PIN number. 
Ain't nobody looking because, you know, nobody wants to see what's going on. You know what I'm saying? You, you watch every little thing that you do. If somebody broke into your house, what would you do? You're going to get an alarm system. You're going to get a gun. You're going to get, you know what I'm saying? Like all these things because you aren't ever letting that happen to you again. But all the while back in your mind, that anger is rooted in fear, false evidence appearing real. Yes, somebody did break in your house, but you can't think all your life that every day you're going to come home to a broken in house. Mm. It's where we put our hope in. Well, you get anxious. And then everything you do isn't peaceful because you're always thinking about the last time you've been hurt or violated. And then the more more you think about it, the more... Have you ever been so angry that you can't breathe? Think about it. Anybody in this room ever had an angry cry? Like I've had, I don't even care if you're a man or a woman. I have had an angry cry so much to the point, like I'm mad and then I'm mad. I'm crying. I'm mad that I'm mad that I'm crying that I'm mad. And then I'm mad. It's like, it's all, all the above. And I am so mad that it's like, I can't get over. And then I can't breathe. And then anxiety sets in. Cause I'm like, you know what I'm saying? And it's all, do you see the cycle that we put ourselves in? Because we want justice for the things that are going on. And what happens is we're angry because we can't get justice the way that we want it. Then anxiety sets in because now we're trying to control something that was never in our control in the first place. My goodness. Right? So good. Mm. See, anger is the thief that breaks in. But anxiety is the con artist that sticks around. Jesus. Think about it. Anger is the thief that breaks in, but anxiety is the con artist that sticks around. Anxiety is the con artist which makes you believe that worrying will change the outcome or keep trauma from happening again, all the while depleting you of your peace, joy, health, faith, hope, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. It depletes you of all those things. And, and you've got to think about it. How does a con artist get in? How do they get in? Well, they got to come in and they got to, they got, when your guard's down, what happens is they come in and they got to make you believe something that's not the truth. Right? Well, that's what anxiety does. It makes you believe things that aren't the truth. It makes you worry about things that have not even happened yet. It makes you think about all the ways that you can control this little situation and turn it and change it. And if it happens this way, well, what do I do? And if it happens that way, well, how do I change this? And what if they say something that they don't like? And what if I do something that they don't like? And how do I happen? I'm just not going. (laughs) People deal with this stuff left and right. I know like the pandemic was a, a big deal. Do you know what a bigger pandemic is right now? Anxiety. It's bigger than this COVID. Anxiety is the the biggest pandemic ever. Let's go back in history a little bit. It's the truth. The year is 1999. It's about to be Y2K, and we don't know if everything's going to reset back to the beginning. So we got to store up everything, get ready. The bank account's going to get depleted and all the stuff and get your water ready, get all your stuff, get your generators ready. And anxiety just (laughs) gripped the church, gripped the world. And everybody stayed up super late in the middle of the night so they can watch China. (laughs) It's all about China. They can watch China so they can drop the ball first and see what was about to happen. 
And if they were going to survive it, you know, or if it was going to just do a control alt delete, we're back to the 1900s, you know, like, I, I, I remember I was going out with my friends and my mom and dad were like, you need to get home. I was like, when am I coming home? It's, it's New Year's Eve. I'm about to go, you know, pray or something. Um, <laughs> and she said, son, I really want you home um, to start this, this 2000. And I did. I came home. But across everywhere, across the news, across every platform, before any of these platforms were ever there, Word of mouth was just destroying everything. Something's about to happen bad. Something's about to go down bad. And gas prices rocketed in. No water's on a shelf anymore. And generators were gone. It was like the blizzard of 79, right? That's what y'all say all the time when it snows. Um, 78, whatever. Um, <laughs> but every time something happens, if something would happen today, this afternoon, that would shake us a little bit, Anxiety sets in, and everything's empty. Now we have no toilet paper. Thank you. That does make you a little nervous. Yeah, I'll wipe with a sleeve. I don't even care. Like, like I'll figure out ways to do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> don't act like, you ever, been, don't act like you ever been in the woods. And, yeah, you got to do your own laundry. That's you, it. I know. I cut it, and I throw it. You know, see, bye. Uh, recyclable. Uh, <laughs> no, that ain't re no. no but, way, no but what happens when anxiety sets in with all these things that hit us? We start doing dumb stuff. Yeah. I mean, look at all the crazy stuff. If we would sit here for hours and talk about Y2K and what everybody and or, or their parents did to prepare for Y2K, and then we talk about all this other stuff that goes on and different things that happen, and we prepare for from the unknown. And, and think, we got ourselves so worked up for something that didn't reset. No. We get ourselves so worked up because we believe that it was a credible, you know, what they were saying was so true. Did you pray? Did you seek God for yourself? And then when, it, and then when it, nothing happened, everybody's all goofy about it. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, uh, well, well, at least I got extra water. <laughs> And I got extra toilet paper, and we got some. Uh, we got three generators just in case it, one blows up, and another one blows up. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? We try to justify our anxiety now, and, and justify why we did what we did. Um, too many times, when anxiety tries to grip us, choke us out, and and set up what what is in motion, we start going like bananas on stuff. We start going crazy. I, I, let, me, let me say this before you finish this. I, I was thinking about this, John 10.10. 10. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah. In the same, same scripture yeah. that he talks about that I have come to give you life and to have it more abundantly, to have joy and an abundant full life. In the same breath that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, that Christ comes to do this. And it's like you stand on a mark, and you look left and right, and you're deciding, do I want abundant life, or do I want to be a part of the steal, kill, and destroy? And for some weird reason, when anxiety tries to grip you, we choose to get to steal, kill, and destroy mode. And we, we, we make decisions based on steal, kill, and destroy instead of based on abundant life.
It's the truth. And it happens to anybody. It happens you know to I mean? anybody. Oh, I, I get it's it. The only reason that we're up here talking about it the way we are is because Absolutely. we have faced it. We face it. We deal with it. We've been to the part. We're just like when we lost our first child. That was and devastating. We, and we were, she was pregnant with the next child, Nevaeh. Anxiety was gripping that whole pregnancy because we didn't know. Could we lose her in the middle? At the beginning? At the end? Well, we don't want to have, a, you don't want you to feel that way because then if you feel that way, there's going to be tension and the baby feels the tension. It's going to be hard on the delivery. We don't want anything so else to happen. So back to where I had to be put on bed rest. Absolutely. Mostly not because there was anything majorly wrong. No. I just was so stressed out. Because over... I don't want to lose another child. That's right. And too many times we base this decision when something happens, are we going to go into kill still and destroy mode? Are we going to go into abundant life mode? Because we know what he said. We know what, who he is. We know who our father is. And that's why I said last week about prayer and praise, which creates peace. What, what mode are we getting ourselves into? Let me read this and you can finish this. But it says that he kills, comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Here's the craziest part. That the thief, Jesus is saying this. We're reading it. We're going to give it to you. He says that he stands at the door, and then he, if you read the scripture above that, he talks about that he is the door. Yeah, he does. And here's what's crazy. The fact that you have access to a door doesn't mean that the thief will not come. The fact that you pray doesn't mean that the thief will not come. The fact that you worship doesn't mean that the thief won't come. The fact that you pay tithe or you do anything great with, with giving or whatever doesn't mean that he won't come. The fact that I'm a pastor of a church doesn't mean the thief won't come. Jesus told you that he will come. He said and declared to you that the thief's coming. Yeah. But why are we so shook and shocked when he comes? He tells us that he's coming. Here's what's crazy. If the thief was coming into your house, just like you said earlier, what would you do? How would you get ready for the thief? If you knew he was coming to your house, would you leave your windows open? Would you leave your door unlocked? Would you have a sign in the yard that says, enter here? Would you say, not, you know, uh, come on in, we're uh, available for you to take everything we have? Would you, would you have a big open policy for somebody to come in? If the thief was coming, if he was coming to your house, would you set an alarm, get up early so you can welcome him at the door? Hey, good morning, I'm glad you're here. Would you like eggs before you take everything else? You know, like, would you allow him just to come in and do those things? If he was coming, would you arm yourself? Would you get something prepared? Would you block up all your windows? Would you board up stuff just, just in case? What would you do if the thief was coming? And I, I'll tell you this. He's coming. Jesus said that he's coming. And he also says what he's doing. But the thief is coming. That's right. We act like he doesn't come. And then when we go through stuff and anxiety sets in, he's already whispering in our ears. He's not going to try to come and just hurry up and just swing and be all big and dramatic at the beginning. You know what he does? He's, yep. 
What's a thief do? They come in very sneaky. They come in real, they don't even know they're in the room. They've already stepped in and stepped out. They've already, they've already walked through your garage before you even knew he was already there and then left and then came back. Because most of the time when they come, they already know what they're looking for. That's right. <laughs> and our crazy butts, thank God for social media, huh? We're on vacation. Oh, cool. We'll mark that house. <laughs> it's like the thief's best toy right here. You know, us posting everything when we're not home. <laughs> but when the thief comes, we don't just let everything happen. We prepare ourselves. And I'm telling you this, the thief is coming, coming to destroy, to kill. That's right. I could have slept in today. It was cold. My bed was warm, but the thief's coming. I could have stayed home from church, but I'm here today. You know why? Because the thief's coming. You're here because the thief's coming. It's good. So you have to start thinking of the decision because the thief's coming. You could take it easy, but hold up. I'm not going to take it easy. I'm going to keep my guard up. I'm going to keep everything ready because the thief's coming. I'm not going to walk in fear. I'm not going to jump over to kill, steal, and destroy. I'm going to walk in abundant life, but I'm still going to have my guard up. I'm going to be thankful, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to keep my guard up. And I'm going to walk through the door God opens. But don't be so careless that to think that the thief's not going to come to you. If Jesus Christ is saying that the thief is coming, you need to be prepared. That's what he said. And why? I mean, he's the prime example of it anyway when he's tempted by the devil himself face to face. And we're going to act like we're not going to have those moments? If it, if it happens to Jesus and our, our example is him, it's going to happen to us. What are we going to do to guard up? We can't let anxiety and everything push us back and we just get to a place where we can't breathe anymore and we can't say anything. We have to know who we are in Christ. Well, we've been there. And, yes. and just giving you an example, you know, because sometimes, you know, it looks like it's easy to talk about this and stand up here, but it's not. Oh. It's not easy. It's not easy. Just like he said, being vulnerable and saying he had a moment in the truck. Absolutely. And I'm telling you what, actually, my moment was last Saturday. Because in all reality, everything in life had seemed so crazy. We've had so much happen, so many things that felt like loss after loss after loss after loss after loss after loss after loss. And I felt like we didn't have time to grieve. And then I felt overwhelmed with everything that was going on. And then I felt like I didn't want to be around people. Even though I love people, I didn't want to be around people. And I wanted to just stay locked in. And I didn't want to do anything about it. And then I was frustrated. And then I didn't want to talk to Brandon. I didn't want to talk to the kids. I didn't want to do anything. I was just over it. And last Saturday, I was in the house and Brandon kept asking me are you okay and I kept saying yep I'm good I'm good I'm good then I'll give her that look and then I was getting more irritated because I'm like leave me alone and then I can't because you said I can't so now I have to do it again so what ended up happening was but I finally he left did, alone. He did leave me alone and we get we're laying down and it's quiet, you know, and I'm laying there. And I'm studying. And I'm he's studying and I just laid down, I wrote down. And I kind of turned over and he's like, babe. And I was like, what? And he's like, Well, I have this song. Do you want to listen to it? And I was like, in my mind, no. <laughs> I don't want to listen to your song. Well, I had to move the pillows because there's a mountain, Trump's wall. Hey, babe. 
in my mind, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't want to listen to anything. I didn't want to deal at that moment. I just wanted to lay down and cover my head and be done. And, 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 and literally know that I had, I felt like, I had the right to feel like I felt like I felt. I was hurting. I was broken. I was sad. I felt robbed. I felt cheated. Just being real. This is just being honest. Yeah. And I'm laying there and all this emotion is being pent up. And this is why I'm talking about anger and anxiety because I was angry, but I was also anxious. And my chest for weeks had felt so heavy to the point that I had ache and I would stop and just press for a minute and take in a deep breath because I felt overwhelmed Yeah. to the point where I was just done. And so I was like, he's like, do you want to listen to this song? And I was like, okay. And he puts this song on, you know, and just, just being real, he puts the song on and it starts playing. And like, I feel it welling up. And I'm like, I hate you <laughs> right now, Brandon. And I'm laying there and I'm still mad. Because then I'm mad because I'm like, I'm not going to cry. Because <laughs> I knew what helped me. And I was like, I, and it was just this moment. And I was but like, I was like, know, I'm I really not going to cry. You. I was like, I'm not going to cry. And I felt tears start dripping. So then I sunk myself down so like he couldn't see me. And it's, there's a lot of pillows around us. <laughs> and I kind of turned my head to the side. And then I was trying not to sniff like... Laying there, and all of a sudden, the song kept playing, and it kept playing, and it kept playing, and it kept playing, and I was like, I want to tell him to turn it off, but the more that I kept laying there, and it was talking about taking it all away, and I kept doing it, I instantly broke like there, I didn't, I had to quit caring about what he thought or what I thought or if I was mad or whatever it was. I instantly just broke. And this cry came out. Well, I'm talking about angry cry, mad cry, ugly cry, nasty cry. And I turned it over to myself. I didn't turn into Brandon. I didn't turn in because I knew that he wasn't going to fix it. I couldn't just give it to him. It wasn't his to carry anyways. And I rolled over and I cried so hard because I knew that I had been trying to hold on to and fix and manage everything that was going on and try to figure out how to deal and be, you know, mom and, and help my kids at that moment and be strong for him and then be strong for everybody else here and, and help everybody out and deal with it. And I was so overwhelmed to the point that I just laid there and I lost it. And I'm telling you, at that minute when I felt like I lost it was the moment that I knew I gained it. It was the moment I knew I gained it because I could feel this release begin to come off my chest. Now, does that mean that when I woke up the next morning and I came here and it was Sunday that I still didn't feel a little tense or things weren't trying to come back? No, because that's a lie to, to try to say that, oh, it was just, it was wonderfully better and everything just was perfect. No, but I felt that pressure come off me to the point where I knew God was carrying it. So at the minute when I felt like it tried to come back on me, I went like this, uh-uh. God's got that. Not me. You hold that. Yeah. Not me. You take that. Not me. I'm not holding it no more. I don't want to hold that. I don't want to feel like that anymore. See, the scripture says that it's here to kill. The American Psychological Association calls these two things the terrible twos. Studies show that the terrible twos increase vulnerability to illnesses, especially upper respiratory illness. It compromises the immune system. They increase lipid levels. 
They exacerbate pain and increase the risk of death from cardiovascular disease and from all other sources of death. Anger is more than an emotion. It's a conduit that intensifies anxiety. It happens more than we realize. But how do you deal with it? I know that, like from my point, you know, what I told you about my situation, and with hers, me being in the same room, I realized, you know, all jokes aside to what I was pesting, um, but when she was having that moment, all I did for me, I was still, I had my Bible, and I was looking at stuff, and I was highlighting, and I just took my right hand and just laid it on her head and prayed, but I didn't say anything. I didn't pray out loud. I was praying inside my soul, in my mind. I wasn't opening my mouth and saying anything. And I was still reading the Bible, but in my head, I was praying that God would do whatever he needed to do. I think to help somebody, if you know somebody with, that deals with anxiety or has struggled with that, sometimes not saying anything helps a lot. Just being there is going to be the big thing. Mm-hmm. And praying with them. And not over praying, not on your soapbox prayers, just to know that it was there, that the prayers are there. Um, and it doesn't matter who you are. It don't matter if you're a pastor or if you're just, we're a human being. We deal with stuff. That's our nature. Uh, you know, we were born in a sinful world. That's the whole deal. And we try daily to do the right thing. And sometimes stuff grips you. And I think if you can just show up and not have to say much, but know that it's okay. If you need to cry, I'm here. I can just be here without saying one word. And, and I think helping somebody through that sometimes as long as, you know, just knowing that you're there, you know, um, I don't know. I, I think that's, that's, a big, that's a big key. Well, because to, in the end, you can't it. take it away. No. And in the end, I can't take it away for you. And, and too many times we, we put our hope and trust um, if I put it in somebody or she put it in me and I fail her, then I have failed for her to be healed and I'm not her healer. No. But too many times we, we put all of this and we have this and we want to talk to somebody, which is okay, but don't put it on them so much that you think they're going to fix you. Mm-hmm. They're not the healer. Well, the healer. and sometimes we can talk about it so much with somebody because it's an escape for the moment, but yeah. it doesn't fix the problem. And I think that we have to realize that anger is not a bad emotion. When you feel nervous or anxious, that doesn't mean you have a bad emotion. But how you deal will determine how you heal. That's good. How you deal will determine how you heal. Continually viewing yourself as a victim will not allow you to focus on the goods you are left with. You can't focus on your strengths when all you think about is your weaknesses. Yeah. Continuing to be a victim will not help you. Isaiah 35, 3-4 says, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, Be strong and fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come to save you. 
Do you realize that God is right there to come to your aid? He's right there to come rescue you, to help release you, to help encourage you, and give you that strength you need. If you'll just lay it down, he is not afraid of what you're dealing with. He's not afraid of your anger. He's not afraid of your anxiousness. He's not afraid of any of it. He just wants to take it. That's why it said, cast all your anxieties onto the Lord. It it got me when you said that last week about casting because I thought about it. Just throw it. When you cast it and, you know, if you think about the ocean or a sea, it's not like I can go back in and pick every little piece of it up Hmm. and get, no, it's gone. Yeah. It's gone. It's swept away. Well, like you said, if you focus on like what you lack you're never going to achieve the things you do have and the, what you can do. Yep. And, and anxiety sets in. I, I, growing up, there were times where I was so, I would get so anxious about what people thought of me that I would like cower mm-hmm. to things. They would call my name up or something. Even to the fact that I didn't even want to try out for sports. Even though that I was probably pretty good at it, I just didn't. And it, it, because it was the what ifs that still kill and destroy. That's the kill and destroy on stuff that didn't even happen. But when you allow it to take you there, yeah. you don't even get to get into the abundant life of it. You know, I, I, I mean, not trying to boast, but I used to be play basketball very well, best shooter on the team, could run really fast, all this stuff. But I chose to not do it. I chose to get out of it. Chose uh, what well, people think they'll call my name for an award, and I would cower and. Like, I just told the students Thursday, you know how many people walk, when you leave here today, go watch how people walk. They don't walk in fullness. They don't walk with authority. They don't walk because they're children of the king. We walk with this posture of like we've been defeated. If Christ dwells within you, put your back up, straighten up. You might grow an inch, just standing straight. And know who you are. That's right. Things could have probably been different in some areas if I would have chose to just step in the abundance of it instead of believing the illusion and the lie and the death of something that never happened. That's good, babe. That's so good. But that was a struggle I had for a while. Like I told you, I, I dropped out of speech. I couldn't even talk. I, would, I dropped out of speech class in high school and all kinds of stuff. I was a mess. But the problem is, think about this real quick. Ask yourself. Would you let the person who robbed you come back and live with you? That'd be a tough one. Would you? Let the person who robbed you and know they're going to continue to steal from you live with you. If anxiety and anger are con artists and thieves, why should we let them take up residence in our life? Why? For something to take up residence, it means the place where something or someone lives. It means they live there. That doesn't mean that anger and anxiety won't ever come to visit. That doesn't mean they won't ever knock at your door. That doesn't mean that they won't ever try to come stay. But I have the right to say no vacancy. I have the right to tell them you're evicted. You can't live here any longer. You don't have the right to take up residence in my life. Yes, I may feel nervous. Yes, I may feel anxious. But I'm telling you right now, I don't have to live in my feelings any longer. I can live in the abundance of God. Just because I stand in the fullness of God doesn't mean I don't have feelings. But I'm not living in lack. I'm living in fullness. It's good. And 
when anxiety and anger try to come in, I have the right to call 911. You want to know how to deal with anxiety and anger when they come to you? You call 911, you give it to the authorities, the people who can deal with it. Yeah. The number nine biblically represents completion and finality and into a cycle. The number one represents God and his power and his unity with his son and the Holy Spirit. But number one also represents the one-of-a-kind sacrifice Jesus made in his forgiveness. When we spiritually cry out 911 to God, we're saying, God, I need you to come and complete in me the things that I know are still keeping me from you. I want you to end this cycle of anger and anxiety. You have full power and authority to take control, and all things are subject to you through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that I have in my life. Amen. You have to call 911. You have to believe that God can come in and complete you. I know that I heard somewhere that the Bible says that he who began a work is faithful to complete it. A good work. What's the enemy after? Your goods. He wants to take the goods that are inside of you. You wonder why the enemy is attacking you so hard on left and right or God allows things to come in and test and prove and try you? It's because you got the goods and the enemy is out to take them. He doesn't care about your life. He doesn't care about what you have. All he cares about is that you don't leave a legacy for Jesus Christ. And that thief today... That we're, we are addressing and we are evicting is telling anxiety it has to go. Stand with me this morning. The only things we truly ever control, listen to me. I want you to hear this. The only things we truly ever control in our lives are who we allow to lead it and who we allow to take up residence in it. You can't control what's going to come your way. You can't control the situations that you face. You can't control what's going to happen when you leave here today or walk out. You can't control if you twist your ankle when you walk somewhere. You can't control that. But the thing that you can control in your life is who you allow to lead it, who's leading it, and who you allow to take up residence in it. Who are you allowing to live and be a part of your life? I'm not just talking about physical people, and sometimes I am, because the fact of it is, is if you have physical people in your life that are helping aid to bringing residents to anxiety and anger in your life, you need to probably separate from that. But if you are just dealing literally inside, what are you allowing to take up residence inside your heart? And you may look at me and say, Pastor Jen, I'm not allowing anxiety because I didn't make that situation happen. You are absolutely right. You may not have allowed that, made that situation happen. Something could have just come across you that tried to grip you so heavy in your heart that you did not even know was coming. But when you allow it to make a room and stay, when you allow it to eat off of you every day, when you allow it to have a comfy bed and stay in, and like Brandon said, you sit at the 
table in the morning and you have breakfast with your anxiety and you tell it what you're going to do and allow it to take control of you for the day, guess what? That is on you. And guess what? It was on me. And it is on me still when I try to deal with it. If I don't look at it and say, not today, you aren't living here, you don't have a right, and you can't stay. And every time it goes and knocks at my door, all I have to do is cry out to God and say, take it all away. I call on Jesus and say, 911, what's your emergency? God, I need you right now. Anxiety's knocking at my door and it's trying to come rob me. Can you come deal with this for me? He does it just like that. He'll take care of it just like that. Just like that if you give it to him. Now that doesn't mean you don't still deal and things don't still face you because then I'd be a liar. But every time it knocks on your door, you have the right to put the sign in the window of your heart that says no vacancy, no vacancy, no vacancy. If anybody in here knows that they're dealing with anxiety and you would like to come and pray and ask God to take it all, I'm not saying that everything's just automatically going to be better because we still deal with situations outside but you know that you have allowed anxiety to have a place of residence not just visit you but you've allowed it to have a place of residence I want you to come up and I want you to be vulnerable enough see vulnerability is okay it's okay to say God deal with what I'm dealing with I cry out I hear it saying 911 911 dispatches on the phone 911 911 what's your God wants to deal and take it. And that's all right. Because the greatest step you can ever take is saying, I can't take it. I can't handle it. But I know the one who can. Amen? Come Anybody else in this room, you have the opportunity right now to come stand forward. I'm talking about any type of anxiety. You don't have it, any type of anxiety. If you can't let your kids leave the house because all you do is fret, you better come to this altar. If you can't leave the house and go to the grocery store because all you do anymore is worry who's going to touch you and make you sick, you better come to the altar. We are in a time and a season where we have to get past the anxiousness and we have to stand up in righteousness of God. control me anymore come on for those of you that are at the altar what I want you to do is I want you to put your hands up because see this is surrender this means I can't hold it anymore I can't cup it anywhere I can't keep it in anything I can't contain it anymore you got to take it all away come on sing it and take it all